Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. Today we're going to be talking about kindness, and we're going to be talking about it because I had several experiences with my own kids in the last few weeks, and I thought, huh, I need to be returning to this concept with my crew, and I imagine other people might need to be returning to this concept with their crew. But before we can even get into the concept of kindness, I want us to go back to the gospel so that we have a really good framework in place for what it is we're going to be calling our children to. What is kindness? Well, all through scripture, we see many places where it talks about and calls us to be kind. But clearly in Galatians, Paul says that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, that it is generated only by the Holy Spirit's activity in a believing person's life. So as a parent walking with children, what are we to do with a child and this concept of kindness? We're going to explore that for a few minutes, and then we're going to get into the nitty gritty of it. But before all that, I want to tell you a story. This really happened just the other week. One of my youngest has a friend who lives very close to us, and they play all the time together, all the time. And very good relationship, very fun. And yet we had another friend come over to play and it seemed like it was going well for a little bit of time. And I kind of truthfully maybe tuned out a little bit. They were playing upstairs. They seemed happy. I began to get busy doing chores around the house and didn't really have my ear to the ground listening in on what was going on. And next thing I know, the child who lives close enough to walk home was walking through the house sniffling and heading home. And immediately my antenna went up and I was like, I wonder what that was just about because I thought that child was playing here most of the day. And I pulled aside another sibling and said, hey, do you know what was going on for that child to go home? And they did. And they shared with me that some words had been exchanged where there was basically a two against one mentality that had happened. And the child who lived close by had in essence been sent home. And in that moment, ugh, that's what I thought. Ugh, oh dear. And I called the mama of this child and I said, hey, heads up. So-and-so's heading your way. They're walking home, but also can you, when you talk to them, can you let me know exactly what happened from their viewpoint? And she did. And I pulled my child and their little friend aside and we sat down and we began to have a conversation about kindness. You see, because what I had, and and honestly, my first response when I learned the news of exactly what had been said, it was cruel. It was the antithesis of being kind. 
I was embarrassed by what the mama told me that had been said by my child and the other child here. I was primarily just embarrassed about my own child saying anything. And I was heartbroken and I wanted to make it, wanted to make it right. And truthfully, it stirred up anger in me because I heard the injustice of it, heard the cruelty in it. And a part of me just wanted to protect that child who had been hurt or wounded. But what I think is interesting is I took a minute and began to pray and ask the Lord to give me the words to say, um, give me a good way to help my child and even the other little child who was here understand what they had done and what would be a better way to walk in friendship. And one of the things that the Lord began to remind me of is how Jesus corrected the disciples when they were not being very kind. Specifically, there was a time when um, all the disciples were uh, together and like James and John wanted to know if they could be sitting right beside Jesus. They wanted to be like in the the elite of the elite. They wanted to um, they wanted to know who was going to you know be first. They want there was lots of places where they were really trying to bolster who they were within the group. And Jesus consistently asks them questions to display their heart before he does a correction. So I pulled this child and their friend into my bedroom and we began to sit down and I began to ask questions. Tell me why so-and-so went home. Tell me what was said. And I began to practice making sure that my face did not show my, honestly, my kind of anger in the moment that I listened with an open uh, body language, listening to what they had to say. And then we began to talk about what God says about being kind. And I thought today here at the kitchen table, we should talk about kindness and we should talk about being moms being warrior moms who are fierce about calling our children to kindness. And I want to challenge you. You see, we're living in a culture right now where flippant use of the tongue is okay. It's okay to say cruel things and then hide behind, oh, I'm just kidding, or I didn't really mean that, or you're taking that too seriously. We live in a culture where words are just spouted off. Opinions are quickly broadcast. We're not measuring our words. We just react almost to anything and everything with words. And our children are seeing it and they do the same thing. Their friends all do it. So what's wrong with it? It's been done to them before. Somebody has said something cruel to them and then hidden behind a oh, I'm just kidding, or you take it too seriously, or I didn't really mean that. I was just playing with you. But what does scripture really say about how we are to be to one another? If we are a people set apart, if we are redeemed people, what is kindness? And I think where we need to start is we need to start with what does Jesus say about kindness? What does he say about the words that we speak? And we see in Matthew 12 
that Jesus is talking. There's been someone who had a demon and he was blind and he was mute and Christ heals him. And then what's interesting is that the Pharisees watch this happening and they're basically, you know, threatened by it. And so they say, oh, well, that's because it's only Beelzebub, the prince of demons. That's why Jesus was able to do this. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. And this is where we hear that thing where it says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. In other words, Jesus is saying, if I'm part of Satan's army, I'm not going to be casting out part of Satan's army. No, no. So what has happened is the Pharisees were kind of flippant and quick to argue back or to try and deny or spin what Christ had done with the blind and mute demon-possessed man in, because they were threatened, right? And then Jesus says this, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words you will be condemned. This is a powerful statement that Christ makes right here. And he is talking about the careless words. In fact, if we look at that, it actually says the word careless here. And and what it means, if you bring that back, what he's talking about is a flippant, casual, just what we throw out kind of word. That those are being measured. That they, they will be called into account. And that we will have we will look at those with the Lord. You know, it it says in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, uh, starting in verse 11, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So Paul right here is, I think, giving us a good picture when Jesus says over here in in Matthew says, you know, you're going to give an account for every careless word. And Paul says, yeah, because everything is going to be measured and looked at to see, was it valuable for kingdom building or was it kingdom destroying or poor for kingdom building? In other words, was it of no value? It could be burned up in a fire. You know, he lays out, it could be either gold, silver, or precious stones. Those are going to survive a fire. Or it could be wood, hay, and straw. Clearly, those things will burn up in a fire. And the reward that we receive See, this has nothing to do with being saved. It has everything to do with the reward that we will receive that we will then get the privilege of laying at Christ's feet in worship. And so it's, Paul makes it very clear. He says, you know, if your work is burned up, you, you will suffer loss. You don't have the reward to give Christ, though you yourself will be saved, Paul says. So what does that mean for us and the words that we speak And the way that we begin to teach our children to speak, it's important. Words are important. And this is a space where we as kingdom-minded warrior mothers need to be different than the other mothers around us. And unfortunately, I know for many years, I wasn't. 
but I am encouraging you and I'm going to challenge you today to be different here with your kids. And I'm going to tell you that it is not sufficient to correct with don't say that and move on. When I believe that beginning to teach our children to understand that their words matter for all eternity needs to be something that we speak into the lives of our children from very young age. We live in a world where words are casual and they're, I mean, careless as careless can be. And people say whatever they want to say. And we live in a place and time where even there's the standing philosophy of the day that says, if, if I say it, if it's true for me, it's true. And we need to begin to be women Mothers who impart to our kids. No, God has a different viewpoint of the words that you say and the words that I say. And it's not okay for me to be casual with my words to you as your mom. It's not okay. And it's not okay for you to be casual with your words that you say to one another in our home or that you say to your friends. I think it's interesting in the different cultures, but so the girl culture tends to have girls ganging up on one girl. Boy, well, actually, they both do it. They just do it in different ways. So girls can be kind of a little, oftentimes catty about it. So it it may be a little bit of an undercurrent, like it's more of a passive cut down, or it can be just, I'm going to overlook you, or I'm going to just not include you, or I'm going to encourage you to go home to your house. (laughs) That's what happened in our home. Whereas boys... The culture is much more uh, out in the open, just insults. But God's word is clear that the words that we speak offer life or death. And so we want to impart to our children the importance of words as a way of understanding they offer life to another person or they can be a tool for death. You see, I may be casual and I may casually make a sarcastic comment, but the fact that it has been spoken out of my mouth allows the enemy to have power with that comment to forever make it ring in the other person's ear. I said it once. I didn't even mean anything by it. But if I don't clean it up and apply truth to it to that person's ear, or they do not take it and apply the word of God to it and apply truth to it, the enemy can absolutely use that and just over and over ring in their ear, whatever it is that I said. And the words that our children hear in childhood can, and maybe for some of you listening, still do to this day ring in your ear, words that you heard as a child spoken over you or to you. But the more that we speak, and guide our children to speak words of life, the more they will be a different type of child to the world around them. So that day with my two little ones that I was sitting on my bed talking with, we began to talk about whether the words that they said were words of life or words of death. And the way we talked about it is we began to say, Well, what if those words had been said to you? You see, I find that one of the most powerful methods I can do to correct 
words that have been spoken is reverse the situation. So you've said something and you want to defend it and say, it's okay. You want to justify it. I didn't really mean it. I was just kidding. But when we reverse the situation and I say, well, and I usually will change who says it. So let's pretend that it's my 14-year-old saying it to my 12-year-old, right? So he's the older brother saying it to the younger brother. Reversing the situation means that instead I'm going to pick my oldest son and say, well, what if your oldest brother said that to you? How would you, how would that make you feel? So I'm reversing it. I'm making you now the brunt of those words because my first goal is to open up your own ability to understand how those words could be taken in. I'm trying to get you away from just justifying or defending what you said and actually feel what you said. Because that's where almost every time my children can begin to go, oh, yeah, it would have hurt me if so-and-so had said that to me. And so that's what we did on the bed that day. I said, well, how would you feel if you were the one who had been told that you need to go home? Would it have made you feel good about yourself? Would you have felt confident in yourself? What would you think if, and I had picked two other little friends and said, what if they had said, y'all, you just need to go home. Just go on home. Well, immediately they could understand that what they had done was short-sighted. They were just thinking about themselves in that moment. And we talked about that. And they had, and they had, they all of a sudden caught sight of the fact they had really hurt another person's heart. And we talked about how that could hurt and what it would feel like and what would that little girl be worried about now? What would she be thinking on her walk home? And we really try to put, I really try and put my child, who was the one who said the thing, in the shoes of the one receiving. Because there's no repentance unless I truly understand what I have done and how it has wounded you. Until I truly feel that. Because it's, it's one thing to flippantly say sorry, but that's not repentance. Repentance is understanding exactly what I have done, what it cost, what the wounding was, and then turning away from it, not wanting to be a part of it at all, not ever wanting to do that to someone again. And That is the conversation so that we can begin to explore this in a way that says, this is what you did. Was it kind? And then, you know, planting our children in places of truth and having these verses be main pillars in our home must be part of what we teach. It must be. And we need to have a holy distaste for words that are not spoken in love. In Ephesians 4, we plant ourselves down in the truth for ourselves as moms and our relationships with other women and in leading our girls well and leading our children well. Starting in verse 14, Paul says, Rather speak the truth in love. 
so that we can grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So understand this, that the only way for the body to work, for relationships to work, is when we speak the truth in love. But that that is something that is something that we grow up into. So we are challenging our children to begin to pay attention, to listen to the spirit of God that lives within them if they're saved. And we begin to call them and say, listen, Jesus is the only one who can help you walk this way. You desperately need him. And when you have him, this is what begins to happen so that you begin to function with others in a way that is beautiful with everybody working properly. And then if you drop down further in Ephesians 4, it says in verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it will give grace to those who hear. So in our home, one of the first questions I'm going to ask is, is what you said, did it build that person up? Did it fit the occasion? Meaning, was it of value in that moment and did it make them, was it a word of life? Did it build them up? And then for everybody listening, did it give grace for them? And if it did not, then you probably shouldn't have said it, should you? And then secondly, after that, it says in verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So that is after the wounding has happened. And if you're the one wounded, it doesn't give you permission to wound back. But rather to be kind and tenderhearted, meaning we're not going to we're not going to make our heart go, grow cold and mean spirited to the other in that moment. But we're going to forgive. Why? As God in Christ forgave you. You see, we get this opportunity to call our kids to a kindness that is otherworldly. And yes, until they have Jesus as their Savior and the Spirit of God living within them, it's going to be a calling that you call them to with a pivot towards their need. They need Jesus. They will not naturally be kind. But I am challenging you. Be the woman, be the mother who wants to be different in this. Because everywhere your child is surrounded by other children who are not being called to kindness. And there is a vast mission field of being different that is being offered here. But it also highlights to your child their need for a savior if they're not saved and a calling on their life for kingdom living if they're already saved. Even if they're young, they can be challenged to begin to walk this way. So what happened in my story? Well, I have two little saved children that were sitting on my bed. And we talked about what the other child must have felt. We imagined what she was thinking. We wondered what she was feeling. And we, we grieved over the hurt that they had caused. And then we prayed. 
And we prayed, number one, because they needed to go before the Lord first. And they needed to repent. And they needed to ask forgiveness. And they needed to ask for help. And then they walked across the street to repent to their friend. And in repentance, we walked through, what does it mean to truly say you're sorry? Is it sufficient to just say, I'm sorry I said that? No, it's not. You need to allow and give her time to say, it really hurt me. This is how it made me feel. And then you need to take time to say, I am sorry for making you feel that way. This is the truth about my friendship with you. And this is what I really believe about you. That you are a good friend. That I love playing with you. That you are who we want to be with. And then invite her back over and begin again. Which is what they did. But you know, those moments take time. It cost me time. I had to stop all the chores I was doing to listen in, to realize what was going on and to tend to hearts. And there were hearts who were aggressive hearts, and there were hearts that were hurt hearts. They all need attending. But it is worth it. When we begin to be different from the world around us, this is how we're different. This is how the gospel comes to play in a moment that calls for kindness that is otherworldly. But it is done in these kinds of moments. It cannot be done in the quick correction of you should have been nicer or we don't leave people out. While those are truths, until those truths dig down into the heart of the child who is doing those things and help them to see and uncover, wow, I am really unkind and I need Jesus' help in this. Then all it is, if all we do is stay on the surface of just be kind don't leave people out. Don't be rude. We're actually not doing the real work of the gospel with our kids. We're not. And I, I just want to challenge you in that. I'm very guilty of not doing the real work of the gospel with my kids. It's much easier for me to give a quick rebuke. But unless that rebuke is followed up with correction, with digging down, with helping them align with real truth, And helping them then align with the God who's engaged in that and walk forward in it, then all I'm doing is coating the surface of their heart with a religion, with good morals. I mean, everybody knows to be kind, everybody knows not to leave people out. But the reality is, most people aren't doing it. And most hearts aren't changed and sensitive to the one who is hurting in the room, who has been hurt, left out, or whatever. And we want to raise a generation of children who are kingdom living, outward serving, with eyes that see the way Jesus saw, right? And the way we do that is we begin to talk to them now about kindness, even if they're not saved. And we point them to the one that they desperately need to help them to truly be kind. Thanks for coming to the table today. As always, please reach out, send me some questions, send me ways that you're struggling with this or ways that you see success, ways that you're victorious in this with one of your children. I would love to um, just rejoice with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, 
head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.